What's up, guys? Pete Mundo here. Thanks for checking out the radio show. We flip it into a podcast, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you got to do is leave a rating, review, subscribe, whatever you use to get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get the koozie in the mail. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. What is up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for checking us out and coming on board here for this week's show. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. Thanks for joining us, whether it's on the radio or on podcasts, YouTube, whatever it might be. We appreciate you checking us out. And also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for our forums and message boards. They are free, and we are having a blast doing it. We've got great recruiting information on there as well. So go check it out at heartlandcollegesports.com. We're having a lot of fun there and hope you will join us once again. Free Big 12 message boards. How much more can you ask for, man? We got you covered at heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's have some fun this week. It's kind of that still slow summertime, but let's get right into it. Our top 10 non-conference games in the Big 12 conference this fall. At number 10, we've got KU at Boston College. Here's the deal with that game. First off, I know people are ragging on KU. Oh, how is KU in your top 10? Big 12's a joke. Blame Baylor. If Baylor had one power five opponent on its schedule, probably would be in the top 10. It doesn't. So you know what? <laughs> Therefore, you got KU. And I don't think it's as bad a game as people make it out to be. You know, I really don't. I think that this is a game that people are looking at, and they got to say to themselves, hey, KU is, is – we're going to find out what Les Miles is doing in year one. Is this a five-year rebuild? Is it a one- to two-year rebuild? We'll learn something in this game. And BC's been pretty damn good lately. You know, they, they had a good season last year. They were in the top 25 in November, top 20, I think, before that loss to Clemson. So – uh, it's a good program right now under Steve Adazio. And we'll see if Les Miles, does he take chances? Has he changed his style at all? What's that all about? Uh, that's, that's what's going to make this fun. And I'm very intrigued by that. It's also a Friday night game, so you don't have to necessarily spend a uh, you know, prime time slot on Saturday watching it. I'm all in on this KUBC game at number 10. Knock me all you want, but I'm all in on that. At number nine, Oklahoma at UCLA. Jalen Hurts, can he be the third straight OU quarterback to win a Heisman Trophy? We'll learn more about that in this game. For Chip Kelly, it's year two of a rebuild. You know, OU blew him out last year in Norman. This one is at UCLA. I think OU is still going to be probably, a, I mean, two touchdown favorite, I would say. Just looking at it right now, I think last year they were like a 20-point favorite in this game. So OU is probably at least a two-touchdown favorite here. They will, I, you know, I, they'll be the heavy favorites to win this game. But how does Jalen Hurts, how is he adjusting? How is he acclimating to the system, to the program? We'll get our first look at what Jalen Hurts is like in an OU uniform against a Power 5 opponent in this game. So OU, UCLA, I have at number nine on my list. Number eight for best non-conference games in the Big 12, Texas Tech at Arizona. Now, here's my thinking. Matt Wells has three things going against him right now. One, he's got a basketball program under Chris Beard that almost wins a national championship, a baseball program 
that gets to a college world series for a second straight year. And the guy he replaces now an NFL head coach just got Kyler Murray from OU number one overall pick. And by the way, that guy was an alum and his firing was controversial. Have fun, Matt Wells. Now I'm pulling for the guy like crazy, but let's be honest. Uh, he's in a tough spot here because of various external factors that he can't control. It's going to be a lot of pressure from the get-go. He goes to Arizona. Khalil Tate, Kevin Sumlin, of course, Big 12 storyline there. Uh, Big 12 ties there. That's interesting in and of itself. So this game, Alan Bowman, we're going to find out. Was Alan Bowman just a Cliff Kingsbury product and protege like so many? Or, or you know, can he be a quarterback under somebody else, a real power five legitimate quarterback under somebody else? We'll find out. It's going to be fun to follow and uh, fun to watch that one unfold. All right, number seven on our list of top 10 non-conference games in the Big 12. We got this one here for you. West Virginia, NC State. If you recall, last year's game rained out. Hurricane Florence. I always wonder if that game kind of threw off West Virginia a little bit, a la the Iowa State, Northern Iowa game getting lightninged out early in the season. That kind of threw off the entire month of September for um for the cyclones not saying that happened necessarily for west virginia the early part of the season was not their problem but you know interesting to see how things might have been different had that game been played uh two programs went nine and four i think it was and eight and four respectively nine and five eight and four they both were in that same ballpark and now they're both replacing their quarterback Austin Kendall, man, I mean, is this guy the four-star prospect he was at a high school, or is he a guy that hasn't played football in four or five years? That's, that's the storyline. And getting to see him, by the way, West Virginia is one of two schools in the Big 12 with two games on this list. That's very interesting as well. But uh, specifically to this West Virginia game against NC State, it's the second of the Power Five non-conference games for the Mountaineers. So it'll be a chance to see in front of the home crowd, second Power Five game, has Austin Kendall knocked off some of the old cobwebs that he might have had the first couple of weeks. Very interesting storyline there. And, of course, you got a new head coach in Neil Brown, home crowd, uh, Power Five opponent. It's going to be a lot of fun. Number six for best non-conference games in the Big 12 this fall, Oklahoma. And Houston, hello, Dana Holgerson. The old dog is back in the Big 12. Dana Holgerson thought he could run away from the Big 12 because he was too big of a wimp. He thought he couldn't win in Morgantown, win titles there. All right, fine. Go to the AAC. Go, you know, put your tail between your legs. Go to the AAC. And, oh, you got to play a Big 12 opponent off the bat. Ah, oh, what a coincidence, huh? That Tom Herman game from 2016 feels like a lifetime ago, does it not? Tom Herman upsetting OU. Bob Stoops was still the coach uh, for the Sooners. Uh, Baker Mayfield. I mean, that game feels like an eternity ago based on how things have changed just across the college football landscape, but especially with those two, uh, those two programs. So this will be fun. OU, Houston, high-flying offenses. Houston's defense is horrific. So uh, if Jalen Hurts is not comfortable by then, he will be comfortable in this game. OU will put up 50 points easy, but you just have some great storylines. With Houston, of course, always wanting to be in the Big 12, not getting the invite, having that chip on their shoulder. Tom Herman beating them a couple of years ago when he was head coach there. Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley, Dana Holgerson, just uh, good storylines all around there, giving OU Houston number six 
on our list. Number five, we get back to West Virginia. Kudos to West Virginia, huh? They have uh, two games in the top 10 for best non-conference games in the Big 12 this fall. West Virginia, Missouri. That one is at Mizzou. Big 12, SCC, a team that left the Big 12, taking on a team that came into the Big 12 that, you know, didn't directly replace them, but was part of the replacement process. I hope the Mountaineers just stick it where the sun don't shine there to the Mizzou Tigers. I desperately am pulling for that. I want to see that happen. Of course, I root for every Big 12 team in non-conference play, and every Big 12 fan should. I mean, seriously, just a quick side note. Every Big 12 fan should root for every other Big 12 team in non-conference play, all right? That's the best thing for the conference. If you're an OU fan, root for Texas against LSU, all right? You should be doing that. If you're a Texas fan, root for OU in every non-conference game, and that applies to everybody in the conference. But – you know, you have an interesting situation here. Big 12 SEC that's always got a little more juice to it. And it's the first Power 5 game of the season for Neil Brown, for Austin Kendall. It's on the road, SEC environment, former Big 12 foe. A lot of good storylines there to follow, giving the West Virginia Mountaineers at the Mizzou Tigers the number five spot on our list of best non-conference games in the Big 12. Then we get to uh, the... Kansas State Wildcats at Mississippi State. Also the back half of a home-and-home. Mississippi State blew them out last year uh, in Manhattan. I was at that game, and it was not pretty. But this is a new regime. It's a new game. It's a new situation. Chris Kleiman's in the mix. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald is not there for Mississippi State. Skylar Thompson's the quarterback for the Wildcats. He's not looking over his shoulder at Alex Delton anymore. That's not happening. So there's a lot to be interested by to see if Chris Kleiman is ready to turn that page. If he goes down to an SEC town, gets a win in Starkville, he's going to come back to Manhattan. I'm not saying they're building the statue just yet, but they will be very happy because remember, there's been one time in the past 30 years that Bill Snyder was not the head coach of the Wildcats, and it went, I don't want to say horribly, but pretty darn bad because they brought the guy back. Let's see how this goes, how this plays out. This is going to be a great early season test for Chris Kleiman, how he handles the spotlight too. Remember, he's not a power five guy. I mean, North Dakota State's a powerhouse, but he's not a power five guy, FCS. How does he handle that next phase? That's a great storyline to follow as well. So this is going to be a very intriguing game in the Big 12. Number three on our list for top non-conference games in the Big 12 this fall, TCU at Purdue. TCU, when it wins six, seven games, always has a big bounce back. But who's the quarterback? Is it Alex Delton? Is it Justin Rogers? We don't know. And that's what's fascinating to me. Who's the quarterback? Going on the road against Jeff Brom and the Boilermakers, they become a very solid program out of the Big Ten. This is not a walkover game at all. So TCU at Purdue at number three on our list, I think is uh, very reasonable. That game is super intriguing from several perspectives. Big 12, Big Ten, always like to get those wins against the Big Ten as well. Big Ten and SEC, obviously, want to get those wins. And uh, that is why that game falls at number three on our list. Speaking of Big 12, Big 10, that is also at number two. It is Iowa State taking on Iowa. Iowa State has not gotten over the hump against its in-state rivals under Matt Campbell. Now, nobody would trade in the success in the Big 12 that Matt Campbell has had for a win over Iowa. 
Paul Rhodes beat Iowa a couple times. Didn't work out for him, okay? Guy couldn't win in the Big 12. Matt Campbell thus far has done the opposite. He's come up short against Iowa, but he's done exponentially better in the Big 12. But now, is this the year they get over the hump? Is college game day going to be there? That's been rumored. Are we going to be there? That's been rumored as well. We've talked about doing a Heartland College Sports tailgate up in Ames for that game. I'm very uh, intrigued by it being here in Kansas City. So we'll keep you posted on that as the season gets closer. But a lot of storylines here. Is Iowa State ready to be that Big 12 team that crashes the OU Texas party that most people think uh, this conference is headed for this year like the old days? Can Iowa State get in the mix there? What are they doing at the skill positions? Losing Hakeem Butler, David Montgomery, a lot of key pieces on defense. We'll learn a lot about this team in this game, and it's in Ames. In Ames, you got a home game here in the non-conference, a great home game in non-conference play. That moves you up the list a little bit as well. So Iowa State, home against Iowa, and that is a game that is number two on our list of top non-conference games in the Big 12. At number one, Big 12, SEC, and yes, it is Texas, LSU, and it is in Austin. That is as good as it gets, all right? You get to take down potentially and slay an SEC West behemoth. Two blue bloods, two massive programs, huge brands in college football going at it in Austin is Texas back, baby. Well, guess what? This game will tell us a lot. Is Sam Ellinger a potential early season Heisman favorite, a Heisman contender? This game will tell us a lot. I cannot wait for this one to play out. I cannot wait to see Coach O, Tom Herman, two massive egos, two macho men. You got Herman trying to fight Oklahoma State last year. You got Coach O, Pounding his chest, you know, doing bench presses of 475 pounds. This is going to be fun. So there you have it, the top 10 non-conference games in the Big 12 this fall. We also wrote about it on heartlandcollegesports.com. You can go see it there. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. And uh, we've got much more coming your way. Hang tight right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So we've got Big 12 Media Days, oh, what are they, about a month away, and we're going to be down there. We look forward to bringing you the best coverage we can here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. I guarantee you uh, the preseason rankings in the Big 12, the standing predictions are going to be one, Oklahoma, two, Texas, and then from there, you know, that conversation can be had. But Phil Steele of the legendary Phil Steele Preview Magazine, I thought brought up a very good point. And his point was basically, you know what? Is Texas really back? Phil Steele's been making the rounds, and we'd love to get him on the show here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'll try to do that uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think he'd be a great guest. But he's been making the morning rounds or the rounds on various radio shows, and 
He said the following to the jocks program down in Birmingham. I'll read you the quote here. He said, I would normally say Texas is back, but if they had more returning this year, I'd be a little more bullish on Texas. They only have eight starters back. They lost some big-time studs on defense. They only have three starters back there. Offensively, five starters back. Now I'll say this. Tom Herman has been upgrading the talent level. His three recruiting classes have definitely brought in talent. End quote. That's from Phil Steele. He said more, but that's where I'll end it for now. And he's right about that. I think we all want Texas to be back. Now, I know if you're a Texas Tech fan, you're going to say, I don't want Texas back. Uh, no way. I want no part of Texas being back. Or, you know, you're a Baylor fan or TCU or anything else. Uh, that's fine. But as I've noted before on this show, it is good for the Big 12 when Texas is, you know, at the top of the conference standings. Now, you want to beat them. But it's good for the conference when they're at the top. And my fear is that they get to the Big 12 title game last year. They have a really good season. They have, uh, you know, they beat Georgia, of course, in that Sugar Bowl as well. But as Phil Steele points out, eight returning starters. Eight. Now, I trust Todd Orlando on defense. And he's done a great job. We shouldn't question him. And he does have a lot of talent. But don't forget this, too. Phil Steele mentioned the three recruiting classes that Tom Herman's brought in. The first one wasn't very good. Remember that? The first one when Tom Herman transitioned Houston to Texas, that first one was maybe 25th in the country. Uh, now, the last two have been outstanding, top 10 classes. Last year's was unbelievable, the class of 2018. I mean, that was a, a class, especially those D-backs, that was a class that never been put together. I mean, unbelievable stuff. But, you know, these guys are now – either rising in a redshirt freshman or sophomores or true freshmen in the case of the 2020 class. There still might be a gap there where we don't know what the talent is for the class of 2018, or I guess it'd be the class of 2017 and the class of 2016. That's what we're going to find out. Now, Phil Steele went on to say about the Texas Longhorns, if this inexperienced squad can get up to speed quickly, they've got the leader in Sam Ellinger, and they've got the schedule to potentially get there. They host LSU, which I think is a huge game. They play OU in Dallas. They won that game last year, and I thought they gave Oklahoma a great run in the Big 12 title game last year. So the potential is there, and I might have picked them higher, but I'm a little concerned with the experience level. That's fair. I mean, that's a very fair critique. You know, and, and Texas had a great season, but now it's like, okay, what's next? Can you take that next step when you only have eight returning starters? That remains to be seen. And, you know, when I look at their schedule this year, okay, the OU game is always at a neutral site, uh, and this year they have to go to West Virginia, to Iowa State, to Baylor, to TCU. I think this coming year, you know, because basically in the Big 12, you flip the home and homes every year, right? Because you play the same nine teams, round robin, you just flip home versus away. I think the odd years for Texas is, are harder because this year, as I mentioned, TCU, Baylor, West Virginia, Iowa State on the road. Now, that means you only have four road games of the Big 12. You have four home games because you have one neutral site so it doesn't matter it's not five and four for texas it's always four and four and then at home what they've got this year is k-state oklahoma state texas tech and kansas i'd rather have last year's home slate because you have to go to Ames, you have to go 
to Morgantown. Those are tough places to play. Morgantown's a hell of a trip. And then you've got to go to Baylor and to TCU. Those are the two programs that, of course, uh, they're your little brothers. And I'm not saying that as a slight to TCU or Baylor. But they're the private schools in the state. Uh, they want nothing more, of course, every year than the beat Texas. I mean, th those places love playing and beating Texas. We know that. That's not a shocker to anybody. So you have to go on the road to both of those places. That's tough, man. That's tough, along with Ames and Morgantown. And at home, all right, you got KU at home. That's a wash. Who cares? You got Texas Tech at home. Okay. You know, Lubbock's kind of tough, but not as tough as it used to be to play at. Oklahoma State, you'd rather that one be at home. And then K-State. I don't know. But I'd rather have the home slate of last year than the home slate of this year if I'm a Texas Longhorns fan. That's just me, though. That's just me. But I'm very interested to see that because there's not that obvious number two, it just doesn't exist. There's not the obvious number two team right now in the Big 12. It's it's by default, it's Texas because they got to the Big 12 last year. They're a blue blood. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And you know what? They got a notable head coach and a quarterback who will be on many people's preseason Heisman contenders list. But there are concerns. If you lift up the hood of that car, there are definitely concerns there that have to be looked at, which is why I still think it's OU's conference to lose right now going into 2019. No way around it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the website, your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Uh, by the way, if you're not on the forums, check them out. They are free. Our message boards, our forums, whatever you want to call them, they're free. We've got a lot of great recruiting information on there. Our guy Derek Duke's been all over it. So be sure to check that out. Well, coming up next, we wrap up the show right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Final few minutes on the show. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We appreciate you joining us. So it was funny. You know, a, a few weeks ago we did um, coaches in the hot seat in the Big 12, and we ranked every coach from, you know, 1 to 10, 10 being red hot and 1 being not hot at all. And the reality is this. No Big 12 coach is on the proverbial hot seat right now. But it's funny to see some of the national media guys pick up on this. Uh, College Football Talk wrote about this. And the headline was, Big 12 coaches on the hot seat, colon, where it is somehow possible for nobody to have a hot seat in 2019. Uh, that's true. That's absolutely true. Nobody does have a hot seat in 2019 in the Big 12. So <laughs> uh, that's just how it is right now at this conference. Not a bad thing, frankly. It's not like the SEC where the problem with the SEC is that every program and every fan base is insane enough to think it should be Alabama. And I know they all spend a lot of money. I get it. But they all think they should be Alabama. Therefore... If, you know, they only win eight, nine games a year, that coach is on the hot seat, which is really stupid because you're better off just kind of building around a guy if you trust the guy than thinking he should be Nick Saban. Alabama's not going to replace Nick Saban when the time comes with Nick Saban unless they somehow get Dabo Sweeney, which is highly unlikely, especially because it's years away. But, you know, Alabama's going to take a step back. You know why I know that? Because they have to. <laughs> it's human nature. They have to. 
So anyway, I thought that was funny from uh, College Football Talk. And they have they broke it down by the new guys, Neil Brown, Chris Kleiman, Les Miles, Matt Wells. Uh, they had the safe and secure guys, Mike Gundy, Matt Rule, Matt Campbell, Tom Herman, and then the frozen solid guys, of course, Lincoln Riley and Gary Patterson. So uh, that that's how they approached it, and that's the right call. Nobody's in the hot seat in the Big 12. I think the hottest seat I had in the Big 12 was uh, – I actually think I had Les Miles as one of the hotter seats. I'd have to go back and look. But, yeah, no one's really on the hot seat in the Big 12 conference. That's just how it is, which is fine by me. You know, you got four new guys. Forty percent of the conference is new coaches. Nobody should be on the hot seat right now, and uh, they aren't. Well, a couple other things to touch on. First off, one of those new guys is Matt Wells. And this week in Derek Duke's mailbag, which he does every um, early in the week, usually on Monday or Tuesday. And I like the question he got this week about Matt Wells, and I thought it was a fair one. Is there additional pressure on Matt Wells due to the success of the rest of the athletic department? And the answer is unfortunately yes. And I say unfortunately because Matt Wells can't control it. You know, when uh, uh, with the success that Kirby Ho- Co- Kirby Hocut, excuse me, Kirby Hocut, say that one 15 times in a row. With the success that Kirby Hocut, the AD, has had hiring Chris Beard, nearly winning a national championship in freaking basketball, and Tim Tadlock having success, of course, with the baseball program, getting them to back-to-back College World Series. Uh, all of a sudden, it's like, all right, this is the one uh, that matters most. Texas Tech can call itself a basketball school now. It's not. You put a gun to any Texas Tech fan's head after a few pops, give them a few shots, loosen them up, and then say, do you want a national championship in football or basketball? I believe 90% of them would say football. All else is equal, they'd say football. So with that being said, yes, there's pressure on Matt Wells to win because of things that he can't control outside of the uh, football program with the success of the other hires by Kirby Hocutt. Also adding to that, as we noted earlier in the show, is the fact that, you know what, the guy that he's replacing is now coaching in the NFL, and he's got Kyler Murray. So if that thing takes off, boy, oh, boy, you are going to hear from a lot of people saying, did we do the right thing? You know, if Matt Wells goes 5-7 and seven and you know, Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know, wins nine games in the NFL, going to be a lot of head scratching in Lubbock. You know, that's just the reality. And I like, I like Matt Wells. We had him on the show a few months ago. I think he's going to do a good job. But that's just part of the reality. Uh, it is. All right. Well, um, also, let's, let's touch on this because this was very interesting. When Phil Steele, who I talked about earlier, has been doing the rounds on the media stuff, there were two teams that he circled that he would keep an eye on this fall. One, he said, was Texas Tech. The other was TCU. One of those I agree with. One of those I don't. He said, keep an eye on Texas Tech. They went 5-7 and seven last year. He thinks they could jump to seven or eight wins under Matt Wells. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And that's not a knock on Matt Wells. I, I'm just sitting here and I'm saying, okay, I don't even know if Alan Bowman is a product of Cliff Kingsbury or if Alan Bowman is Alan Bowman of 2018. I don't know. And while the defense was, yes, improved, and there's a lot of good players coming back. I mean, you got Justice Parker in the secondary, Demarcus Fields. Uh, on the front end, you got Broderick Washington. You've got Eli Howard. You still have a lot of new pieces you got to replace. 
I know wide receiver feels interchangeable at Texas Tech, but you lose a guy like Antoine Wesley, the most productive guy in the conference at his position. That's not easy. You know, I, I, I want to look at what's going on at running back. Um, the offensive line, okay, I have some confidence there, but I'm not going to sit here and say I have a ton. I mean, Jack Anderson's great. And then I look around and I say, okay, got to see a little bit. I mean, Alan Bowman nearly got himself killed a couple of times last year. So I'm still looking around and saying, is Texas Tech a team, based on how the conference is laid out and set up, that is going to go out there and, and get another couple of wins. It was tough for them to get to that five-win mark. They played some really good games. I, you know, they, they were close in a couple of games that could have gone either way, right? I mean, think back to last year. Think to that Oklahoma game. I, I, don't, I don't forget that. I mean, that was a heck of a game. I was actually in uh, Austin that weekend for the West Virginia game. They almost pulled that off. Almost beat Texas. Had a good run against Iowa State. They lost them all. It's hard in the Big 12 to pick up those extra couple of wins. The other team that's talked about here is TCU. Now, TCU is the type of team where they have a mediocre season and Gary Patterson bounces the whole thing back. That's just what he does. I, you know, They were down to one healthy running back, you know, a fourth-string quarterback in that bowl game, Defense was a mess, and somehow Gary Patterson gets them to a bowl game, and they win a bowl game. Here's my concern, though. Who's quarterback? Phil Steele thinks it's going to be Alex Delton, the former K-State transfer. Uh, here's my problem with Alex Delton. Can he get the ball to Jalen Rager? That's what I want to know. That's the guy who's got to get the ball in his hands. Jalen Rager is an All-American wide receiver if he's got someone who can get him the football. And I don't know if Alex Delton can be that guy. I mean, uh, even at K-State, he was not a thrower. Uh, he, was, he was the running option. Skylar Thompson was the thrower under Bill Snyder. Now, maybe Gary Patterson and his staff can fix something in his, um, you know, in his delivery, in his setup, whatever it might be. But if you're relying on Alex Delton to get the ball in the Jalen Rager's hands, arguably the most important playmaker and the best playmaker in the conference, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, to be totally honest. So let's uh, let's keep tabs on it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I am very intrigued to see who takes that next jump. Iowa State, I think that's the other argument you can make, although I'll say this, you talk about missing important pieces, uh, they are as well. There's no way around it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us each and every week. And please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Can't thank you enough for doing that. We'll send you a free koozie if you do it. Email me a screenshot of the rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week.